Today's podcast is sponsored by Wonderful Pistachios, where delicious meets nutritious in the snack that packs a real protein punch. Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts out there, and each one-ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. It is no secret how much I love pistachios. I love pistachios. It is part of my identity, and honestly, there are so many fantastic flavors. My personal favorite is the wonderful pistachios no salt. It has a little blue emblem on it for the bag. So delicious. I know others love the roasted and salted, even lightly salted. There's a sweet chili that's good, a salt and pepper. There are so many options, and you can have them in the shell or no shell. Cracking each pistachio open one at a time? Yes, wonderful pistachios is the only exception I make for playing with my food. It is fun and protein all in one bite. Go ahead and visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more or pick up a bag at your local store. Let's get to cracking and let's get to snacking. Welcome to the Fun and Games Podcast. I'm your host, Brittany Lupkin, and let the games begin. What's up, you guys? Happy Wednesday, and welcome back to the Funny Games Podcast. I'm your host, Brittany Lupton, and it's amazing to talk to you on this fabulous Wednesday. You guys know I love to bring on the experts. I want to make sure that you all feel educated, entertained, of course, but honestly, I just want you all to feel like you have the tools you need to succeed when it comes to your health and fitness journey. And I'm very excited to have a physical therapist on this week. I have been like, I need to get a physical therapist on, but who? And I found the perfect candidate. I've actually been following this physical therapist for over a year, maybe. His name is Dr. Dan and he's on TikTok. That's where I first found him. His videos are so informative, so educational, and they're so great for, even if you're not a gym goer like us, us girlies, most of us listening are big into the gym, but even if you are just trying to live your day-to-day life, there are so many different movements. And if you're having any pain, or wondering about clicking in your elbow and your knee. Like he explains everything so in depth of, hey, go see a physical therapist or, oh, go try these exercises. Hopefully this will help, you know, help the pain or whatever it is that you're suffering with. I think it is such invaluable information. Today's episode is going to be epic. And the word of the week that we have to do, we got we to put this in here real quick before we introduce our new guest. But word of the week is going to be resilient. And resilient is an adjective. So it's to be able to withstand or recover quickly from difficult conditions. I love that the ability to recover when times are hard. I feel like, again, I've had two of a little bit of a tough week and remaining resilient, getting back into it, overcoming that hardship. That is the word and the focus of this week. Let's overcome our hardships. And I'll read a quick review. You all know we love reading our weekly reviews. I'm so excited. I'm going to pull it up right now. And also, you guys, Darian, last night in bed, he was like, Brittany, you've gotten so many new reviews. We're so excited. And honestly, you guys just know Darian and I both love our reviews. We're going to have to have on the podcast again. So I'll read the most recent one. Oh, this one says actually fun and games, true to the name. I'm going to read that one. 
Ooh, let's go. It says, oh yeah, G16787, a bunch of numbers. You know who you are. If you're at this review, thank you. It says, I just started listening to this podcast at the beginning of this year and I have loved it since day one. I love that Britt puts a fun and not serious spin on fitness. And I love how easy she makes things when it comes to science-backed fitness information. I know you're not huge on New Year's resolutions, but your podcast has really helped me stick with my fitness resolutions. And I actually just listened to your most recent episode and found out that you lived in the Colleen Fort Hood area. I actually live in Temple, so that made me love the podcast so much more. Love listening each week. Oh yeah, G1678. I love this. This has made my day. Thank you so much. I am very passionate about helping fitness and health become something that is understandable for you and also just approachable because it's just a new way of life. We're building new habits. We're trying to live our happiest, healthiest life. It doesn't have to be the super scary thing. I'm trying to bring as much information to you so that you can do what you need to whatever with whatever your own fitness journey is going to look like. And that is why I'm so excited about today's guest to, again, just help bring a little bit more information in, a true expert in this field, talking about mobility, talking about bettering ourselves, our joints, and again, remembering always that it is always more than what you just look like. It is so much deeper on what's going on in our bodies. It is important for us to take care of ourselves the best that we can. And so without further ado, let's welcome Dr. Dan to the podcast. All right, you guys, today we have a very special guest. His name, Dr. Dan from TikTok. Officially, it's Dr. Dan underscore DPT. If you guys are trying to find him on TikTok, go ahead, give a little introduction of yourself, Dan. Well, it's nice to meet you. I'm happy to be here. I am a physical therapist that is currently based in Midtown Manhattan, uh, right in the heart of New York. I've been here for about six months, but I've been posting to social media for almost three years. Uh, and it's all led up to this podcast. Woo-hoo. Oh, this is the pinnacle. <laughs> <laughs> this is the pinnacle <laughs> of my is... career so far. Yes. Yes. Okay. I actually saw you for a background for everybody. I've followed you probably for a year. I love your content because it brings common questions that everyone has to, I'm actually, I might've followed you for even longer than a year, but you bring all the common questions that we have. Oh, why, why do I have a clicking in my knee? Oh, well, you kind of talk about all of those, which I think is so helpful for everyone in any kind of situation, whether you're in the gym working out like we are, or even if you're just trying to live your basic life. So I, I think your content is extremely valuable. So I'm very excited to share your knowledge and have an expert in this space for physical therapy, because I always get all the questions and I'm like, let's bring in an expert to talk about it. So we're very excited. If I'm excited, everyone's excited. And (laughs) you said you're in Manhattan. So didn't you work with a play or a ballet or something? I remember seeing that on your socials. Am I crazy? Yeah. So part of what I do in my clinic in Manhattan, the clinic owner, her name is Brittany Mims. And she has been in the performing arts space for a few years. And every Broadway play, every Broadway production, it's written into their contract that they have to provide physical therapy for the performers at least two days a week, normally somewhere backstage. And when I first joined, she held two of those contracts, one being Chicago, which has been on Broadway for 25 years, and one being Beetlejuice, which despite being an amazing play and a really cool experience unfortunately had its last show earlier in january 
So right now we are just rocking with Chicago. Uh, I go backstage every Monday and treat before their late show just to even out any kind of muscular discomfort they might be having, any symptoms of overuse. You know, anytime you put on the same show for eight nights a week and you're doing this insane choreography, it leads to some overuse injuries. So being able to work with professional athletes, Broadway performers was a big reason why I joined this clinic here in Manhattan. I think that's really cool. And I loved watching the journey and that's so true. Overuse injury. I, you are so important to help them be able to go on every night. So that's fantastic. Do you want to give a background of what is a physical therapist? Kind of what is your role in case if somebody a maybe wants to go into this profession? Cause I do have some younger girls or if we, they just kind of don't really know what a physical therapist is that way they have some context for today's episode. Yeah, so I would start with every physical therapist that has graduated since 2000 graduates with a doctorate because the goal was eventually to get the profession to being a primary care clinician, meaning that somebody can see you directly without the need to go to a medical doctor first to acquire a prescription for physical therapy. So the whole goal is that physical therapists can treat musculoskeletal injuries autonomously directly to the public. And that's kind of where the profession has gotten today. And I, I like to think of physical therapists as the musculoskeletal experts. So if you come to us with any kind of ache, pain, overuse, tightness, any inconvenient type of input that you're getting that is affecting your daily life, we should be able to help you or at least point you in the right direction. Um, I think it's a really powerful profession because the first time you come see a physical therapist, there is a full hour dedicated to figuring out what is wrong, what hurts, what makes it better, what makes it worse. And no other profession can offer even close to that hour long session. And then the last cool thing about being a physical therapist is that all of the treatment revolves around making you independent. So if I see you for knee pain, it's my goal that after four to six weeks or whatever the treatment plan may be, you are completely independent with that knee pain. You know how to manage it yourself. You know the exercises to do to prevent that pain from coming back. And so I really think of it as empowering people to use their own body to prevent any type of dysfunction or any type of pain. I love it. hundred percent. I remember the first time I went to see a physical therapist and I was so nervous because I didn't know what to expect. And it was the coolest experience because it genuinely is, okay, where's your pain? And it's someone that can help you. Or even if something's a little bit tweaked, it's so good to stop it before it gets worse and invaluable. That's how I feel about physical therapists. I, I, I feel like a nerd. Okay. Everybody knows. I feel like a lot of times when it comes to health and fitness, people focus a lot more on looks, right? Like that's very mm -hmm. common. I like to make sure that people realize through movement, a, you can feel better about yourself, but also just looking at the body as a bigger picture of having, we all have daily functions. If you've never taken an anatomy course, all of the things broken down to even the signals that are sending your brains, your hormones, how your heart pumps blood to your body. I know that's kind of basic stuff, but it's important for me just to share with the audience that it's more than just what you look, it's how you feel. It's your mobility and our bodies are for life. So being able to help everybody in today's episode, learn more about how they can help increase their mobility. That's a big one. I want to talk about talking about knees, ankles, hips, because I feel like a lot of questions are, Hey, how can I improve that? Making sure people can get through a full range of motion. That's a lot of things that you're 
specifically helping with. So one of the first questions I want to ask is why do you in your profession think it's important for others to have a mobility routine? And with that being said, what are some exercises you would give big picture? Sure. Uh, mobility is important because when I think of mobility, I think of putting your body into different ranges of motion and different positions on a regular basis so that those positions or range of motion do not open you up for injury. And so when it comes to mobility, I always start with a person and say, well, what does your normal day look like? What are you, what are you spending your day doing? If you're spending your day sitting at a computer, uh, working at a, in a chair for six to eight hours a day. And then, yeah, you might sneak in a workout here or there, but then at the end of your day, if you end up sitting on a couch, then primarily what you're doing is sitting. And so your lumbar spine is in a little bit of flexion. Your hips are in a 90 degree flex position. Your knees for the most part are in a 90 degree flex position. And anytime you get outside of that norm, you are less prepared to be there because you don't spend time there. And so when it comes to a mobility routine that everybody can do, it's really based around getting into range of motions that you don't get into for 80% of your day. And so if you sit for most of the day, that lumbar spine, getting it into more extension. So even if it's just a standing lean back exercise or laying on your stomach and getting in a, a press up exercise, like a, a yoga cobra pose. If for the hips, if you spend most of your day in those, that flex position, mixing in some hip flexor stretches or finding a way to get into hip extension throughout the day more often. Same thing with the knees. If you spend most of your day uh, with the, those knees bent to 90 degrees, then find a way to bend them all the way, straighten them all the way, you want to spend as much time in those outside range of motion as much as you can so that when you do say accidentally get in those range of motion, it's not foreign to the body and you're prepared to be there. That is a really cool way of thinking of it. Especially if, you know, I'm guessing most of the people listening take working out very seriously. Yeah. It's always, <laughs> in, it's, <laughs> it's always important to remember that even if you are, really solid about getting into the gym, you might be working out five, six hours throughout your entire week. It's nowhere near what you spend your day-to-day -day doing. And mm -hmm. so mobility should be less workout-centric and more daily life-centric. That's really cool. I guess I'll ask if this is good advice. I always tell people to include like a mobility routine daily. Like if we're going into the gym, right, that's, I'll talk about that. I always like to include five to 10 minutes of exercises that are helping me prepare for my warm up. So, a lot of hip openers, a lot of things to help with my knees, specific things I've learned from a physical therapist, and just ankle drills. Is that something where it's good to have a mobility routine before the gym? And then also, like you said, include maybe some other positions that my body's not always used to because I'm sitting at a desk working, et cetera. Or is that something where if I just take those five to 10 minutes before my workout, that's kind of good to just practice all of those different movement patterns? It kind of depends on where you're at in life, because if you're young, you know, if you're younger than 30, you don't really have to worry about much of anything. And chances are things are going to be just fine. But I would separate 
the two different mobility routines into two separate things. So what I work with my dancers and performers as their warm-up routine before going on uh, for their show is very much related to, like you said, uh, they have to spend, it's in Chicago, they have to do all this choreography and heels. Being on your heels oh, is really, really, yeah, really, really tough <laughs> on the calves. So a lot of their warm-up routine is uh, calf activation, calf mobilization, hamstring activation, hamstring mobilization, and then related very specifically to where they are currently experiencing any type of overuse symptoms. Uh, for these dancers, there will always be some level of overuse that they're feeling somewhere. It mm -hmm. just kind of bounces around based on what you've been focusing on. And then what pops up, it's kind of like a giant game of whack-a-mole. So their, their mobility, their warm-up routine before a show looks very different to what their mobility or warm-up routine would look like throughout their their day-to-day. And so, like you said, you speak on that mobility warm-up for the gym. That's perfect, but there should also be some kind of mobility work. And again, it's not anything crazy, Yeah. but if you catch yourself that you've been sitting for an hour and a half, you've been sitting for two hours, take that next minute, get into that lumbar extension, get into that hip extension, bend your knees to that that full that full range of motion. Make sure that you're not getting your body accustomed to those specific joint angles, and it will make everything else that you do not only throughout life, but also what you do in the gym that much easier. Okay, cool. I have to ask, what are some things for overuse? How do you treat that for the clients you're working with now? I know that's going to be specific based on what their exact overuse is, but if somebody, again, we're really sore, we have overuse from the gym, et cetera, what would your advice be? Again, I know that that's going to be very broad because there's going to be different issues, but maybe some examples would be helpful. Well, of course, the best advice is get in and see your local physical therapist. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> for that specific advice. And so before I started working with Broadway performers, I mostly had my background in athletics, specifically baseball. I was a Division One baseball player all through college. Oh, cool. the, the deterioration of the shoulder is a big part of what got me interested in physical therapy and wanting to help people moving forward with their shoulders so that they can continue to throw a baseball as hard as they can and make a lot of money doing it. <laughs> the thing about working with a high level athlete and working with somebody that has to perform that task day in and day out is A, they're already very strong. B, they are already very mobile. Uh, and so there's not a lot of tweaks that you can make in their training regimen. There's not a lot of things you can add as a warm-up just because they're already so prepared. It's just that the body can only tolerate so much before that muscle tightening takes place. And so when we're working with overuse, a lot of it is just the hands-on manual therapy. Okay. Because I normally will tweak exercises that they're doing here and there. I'll tweak movements that they're doing because maybe something just isn't quite looking just right or something isn't training that body part as efficiently as it could be but in terms of overuse for for athletes it's mostly hands-on manual therapy and the easiest way that you can replicate that is things like rolling out with a lacrosse ball foam rolling i am a big fan of massage guns there are some physical therapists out there that give me give <laughs> me flack for massage guns but the whole point of using those things is not to rely on it as a cure for anything. It's not to rely on it as, oh, now I'm 
doing this so it will be 100% better. If you are experiencing that muscle tightness, if you are experiencing that overuse, you use those things to make your current warm-up routine or mobility routine easier to do. And so in the clinic, it's a lot of hands-on work and then getting into their current mobility strengthening routine. In the gym, it, I, I am a big fan if you are experiencing that tightness, just start with a little bit of tender love and care, roll out what, what's tight, three to five minutes, and then get into your, your normal routine. All right. Well, good. Check, check, check. That's what I do. And that's what I always say. So it's always good to it's right in line because yeah, if you're really sore before a workout, I'm always just foam rolling and I just got a massage gun for Christmas. That's the best thing because sometimes I'm just so sore and it's so nice just again to help loosen everything up and just feel a lot better. So that's good. Yeah. It's like, it's like pre-workout for the muscles. Exactly. We love pre-workout, especially on this podcast. <laughs> oh man. Okay. So let's chat. A lot of questions I always get is, Hey, how can I, you know, increase depth in my squat? A lot of times I see issues in like hips as a personal trainer, right? It's either tightness in the hips issues in the knee or the ankles. So what are some exercises that they can do to help improve that specific range of motion? When it comes to getting into a deep squat. And again, this is kind of tough to answer because everybody is, everybody can be limited by different things. Yes. So even just forgetting about the things that you can change, the two big things that you cannot change, for instance, are how your hip sits in your pelvis. You can have what's known as uh, femoral antiversion or femoral retroversion, meaning that the head of your femur fits into the the hip socket in a certain way that you really can only achieve depth if you have your feet and hips at a certain angle. No matter what you do muscular-wise, no matter what you do mobility-wise, you will always be limited by the biomechanics of how the bones fit into each other. Also, I'm sure you've heard of and other people have heard of uh, the length of your femur yeah, uh, affecting how deep you can get in your squat. If your femur is relatively much longer than your your shin, then there is no amount of work that you can do to make the center of gravity work to get into a deep squat. Yeah, that's and so true. so I've had a couple people come to me and say, I want a deeper squat, I need a deeper squat. And we look at their ankle mobility, it's great. We work at their knee mobility, it's great. Isolated in a perfect scenario, their hip mobility is really good. But because of how they're built, and in most cases, it's because their femurs are just incredibly long, there's only so much they can do to get into a deeper squat. Yeah. But for the average person looking to increase the depth in their squat, I would say it normally is ankle mobility above all else, because if your ankle stops at a certain angle, your knee will only be able to travel a certain distance forward without the heels coming off or without you losing balance. And so for the most part, if you have somebody that can get into a comfortable parallel squat, but not much deeper, chances are it's coming from the ankle. And if you work on that ankle dorsiflexion mobility, whether it's coming from the calf or coming from the joint, that is normally what unlocks that deeper squat above all else. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry a bunch of different stressors. Recently, Darian and I are working through moving, him graduating, taking boards, wrapping up things here in Michigan, and our cross-country move to Florida. 
like us, I assume that you also probably have a lot of things that are going on in your life and some stressors, whether they are big or small. And oftentimes we can keep them bottled up and then it can start to affect us negatively. But therapy can be a safe place for you to get things off of your chest and try to work through whatever is weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, go ahead and give BetterHelp a try. It is entirely online and it's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. So just fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with the licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Brit today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Brit. Skincare from the sea. You got that right. I'm introducing you to the brand Osea. If you have not heard of them yet, this company is called OSEA. It stands for Ocean, Sun, Earth, and Atmosphere, and it is an amazing skincare and body care company. This company is vegan and cruelty-free. They're climate neutral certified and ocean positive. It is a clean beauty company. It checks all of the boxes. I love these products so much. I actually gave some away to some of you for the local event so that you could try them as well. Some of the favorite ones that I use are the body oil and lotion. And then I also love the hyaluronic serum and the ID puff serum. And every time I use them, I feel so luxurious. They also have a few gift sets that are going on for Mother's Day, which is really fun. They have a glow and go facial set and then a golden glow body set. I'm definitely going to get my mom one of these. I just don't know which yet. So go ahead and treat yourself or your mom to the everyday spa experience that you deserve. Deserve. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code FUNGAINS at OseaMalibu.com. You'll get free samples with every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Head over to OseaMalibu.com and use code FUNGAINS for 10% off. Yes. And dorsiflexion, will you explain what that is if people don't know what sure. that is? <laughs> dorsiflexion is bringing your toes closer to your shin. So if you have your legs straight out in front of you, think about bringing your toes towards your face. Plantar flexion is the opposite direction, like pushing the gas pedal down. And we don't spend a lot of time in that end range dorsiflexion just because our normal activity of sitting, walking, running, don't require you to get into a lot of dorsiflexion. And so that normally is where the issue lies. But if you look at cultures and populations where sitting in a deep squat is more common, like Mm -hmm. in the Asian population or in the um, Eastern European population where you'll walk on a street corner and you see people just hanging out in a deep squat, you'll notice next time you see a picture, next time you see a video of somebody, just a normal everyday person in one of those cultures sitting in a deep squat, look at the angle of their ankle. You will be amazed at the position it's in. Yeah, because us in our Western culture, we haven't been doing that our whole lives. We've gotten very comfortable not keeping our angle, our ankle in that in that position. And it's almost unfathomable that people can have their their ankle there. And if you could get your ankle there, you'd have a perfect deep squat, too. Yeah. What are some exercises that you could do to help with dorsiflexion? You can you can start with the classic just calf mobilization. I'm not a huge fan of prolonged static stretching, Mm -hmm. but 
there's that classic stretch at the wall where you have your hands on the wall, you're leaning forward, one leg is behind you and that leg is completely straight. And then you lean in towards the wall and you feel like a big stretch in the calf. Uh, I like doing some of those, hold for about five or 10 seconds, do about five on each side. And then in that same stretch, but instead of having the back leg straight, you start to bend that back leg a little bit. Uh, that will start to stretch the soleus. Same thing, about five to 10 second holds, five or so on each side. And then some form of dorsiflexion mobilization. You can do this on one knee, and then you want to put your weight on the forward knee as you push your weight forward, trying to get that knee as far forward as possible before your heel starts to leave the ground. Uh, same thing, hold about three to five seconds, do five or 10 on each side. And then the progression on that is if you have a really, really thick resistance band like those. Elite Fitness makes these 80-pound resistance bands yeah, or just like a, a really thick resistance band. If you put that right in the front of your ankle where it bends and do the same mobilization, having that pressure pulling back on your ankle is also a really good mobilization and, and way to get into that dorsiflexion. Those are all the ones I do. And I like the one with the resistance band when I first needed to help my ankles like a year ago. That is one of the ones that I would always do and then just put my knee, you know, that rock like knees over your toes, but can we talk about knees over toes? Is that bad? And you also said you're not a fan of static stretching. So I want your take. So knees over toes is not bad at all. Yeah. Uh, a lot of what has been, and first of all, everything is a, a swinging pendulum. Yes. Yeah. So before knees over toes got villainized, knees over toes was the best way to squat. Because again, if you look at these other cultures that sit in a deep squat all the time, or if you look at a baby that's in a deep squat uh, or a toddler that's in a deep squat, their knee is incredibly far forward. That's clearly how the body is meant to meant to move and get into that deep squat. But then they started doing a lot of studies and they say, well, when you get into that deep squat and your knee comes forward, there's a lot of stress and pressure going through the knee. So that must be bad. So now we have to squat backwards. And then we found out that squatting with your weight that far backwards, wasn't giving the proper pressure, wasn't giving the proper feedback into the knee. And now knees uh, are hurting because you're not working the quad as much. You're not putting as much tension through that, through that knee. And so going back to what we said about mobility, if you only squat with your weight back, if you only squat with your knees over your ankles, the first time that you get yourself in a position where your knee is now over your toe and you have to put weight through it, your knee is not prepared to do that at all because that's not how you train. And so now there's this whole pushback in the opposite direction where you're doing these crazy knee over toes exercises <laughs> yeah. and you're doing these unreal exercises that at some point, guess what? We'll put too much stress through the knee and then it will become villainized all over again. And we'll keep going through the cycle. Yeah. Somewhere in there, there is a, a happy medium of being able to train with your knee traveling over your toe, but also yeah. being able to perform some sort of hip hinge movement uh, with your weight back and feeling it in your glutes. I'm I'm thinking about that and I'm like, yeah, that's so true. And I'm doing a squat again. It is a little bit more, you're, you're sitting so much more back, even when you're doing a front squat, even though it is, you know, more loaded toward the front, more loaded towards your quad. I feel like still for the most part, my knees don't really go over my toe because that's just been drilled in my brain. So right. I'm always like one of the big warmups I do is again, like just that deep squat stretch where I'll like, I'll even like roll, um, 
rock side to side, like over my ankle to again, get that good dorsiflexion and just help pop open your hips a little bit. I love that exercise. And yeah, my toddler, he is always just sitting in a deep squat. And I'm like, let's go. I sit there with him. him. I'm like, let's it. practice. Let's do Keep it. Keep him doing it. Yeah. Never let him stop. Never, never. Not allowed to. <laughs> you also mentioned you're not a fan of long static stretching. Let's talk about that because agreed a little bit. There, It's time and a place, but ultimately dynamic versus static stretching. Everybody on this podcast hears me talk about it so much. Sure. So it is 100% uh, time and a place. And the thing about static stretching is that it's so easy to do and it's so easy to prescribe and have people do it safely that it probably was used a little bit too much. And the people that I get with chronic tightness in the hamstrings or chronic tightness in the hip flexors, they've been doing these static stretches forever and ever and ever, and the tightness is still there. And that's because when they feel the tightness, the thing they think they need is a stretch. And as they stretch, they're increasing the flexibility of that muscle, but the flexibility is not the reason that it's feeling tight in the first place, probably feeling tight because there is some sort of weakness and that weakness leads to overuse. And it's that overuse that leads to the tightness that you're feeling. But the muscle itself, when you look at it in isolation is perfectly flexible, but there's been so much education on if it's tight, stretch it, if it's tight, stretch it, that. I think there needs to be some sort of more education about dynamic stretching because you're not holding it quite as long. You're not putting that end range, end range tension on the muscle. So they've shown that, you know, dynamic stretching or foam rolling, you get equal increases in that range of motion. You can take a, a joint into that increased range of motion like you can with static stretching, but you don't have that same lengthening of the muscle. So it keeps yourself in a little bit of a safer, safer space. And I think that everybody could benefit a little bit more from doing dynamic warm up, followed by some sort of activation and strengthening. And it will just, the benefits and the efficiency will outweigh static stretching every time. That being said, there's nothing wrong with static stretching. Yeah. I just think it's a little bit overused and it can kind of keep you in this cycle of never, never quite addressing what needs to be addressed. I think that is so fascinating that a lot of times when you feel tightness, again, it, if, when you test that flexibility individualized, you said, that's not an issue. It could be because of a weakness mm -hmm. of whatever that is that, that blew my mind. That was really cool. You know, I, I love to learn. And if you don't know what dynamic or static stretching is dynamic is I always just put into terms of you're bringing movement to the muscle. So you're putting your body through a certain range of motion instead of just static, you're holding it. So like holding a middle split versus doing butt kicks, which is, you know, helping warm up your quads in a sense. Sometimes I'll static stretch after my workout though. Is that, when is the prime time to static stretch or when would that be a good point to incorporate that? Whether you're, you know, a gym goer or just kind of, trying to live a better life. The perfect time to static stretch is immediately following a workout. Okay. Uh, immediately following some kind of activity. You want to stray away from doing it right before that workout, because if you go from static stretching directly into some sort of workout or some sort of movement, you reduce the capacity of the muscles ability to contract, which might leave you open for injury. That being said, Ooh. you know, if you, 
And that being said, if you do, if you just can't get away from static stretching, uh, make sure that after your static stretching, you also include some sort of dynamic warm up or some sort of specific activation. So like, let's, yeah. let's say, let's say the hip flexors. Yeah. If you have chronically tight hip flexors and you respond really well to that static stretch, go ahead and do that. But then afterwards, make sure that you're doing some sort of muscle activation, whether it's a straight leg raise laying on your back or a, I'm a big fan of the seated upright straight leg raise where you're seated on the floor, you oh, have yeah. one leg out in front of you, and then you try to keep that leg straight and lift it off the floor and, and continue for reps. Um, do something to get that muscle activated before getting into that workout. Otherwise, you might uh, you might leave yourself open for for injury. Yeah, that one is so hard, and it's also your core just lifting mm -hmm. your leg. That one's so tough, brutal. It's really difficult. <laughs> That's it. I actually don't do that one very often. I normally like do the walking like hip openers and leg like walking. That's a great one. Raises. All movement, like, all movement yeah. is good movement. That's what I'm saying. And any movement is better than no movement. So you got it. Yeah. And especially, and I'm a big proponent of, especially if you don't have anything really specific going on, any specific diagnosis, any specific uh, pain, do whatever makes you happy. You know, yeah. just do, do whatever movement that you enjoy doing, because that ultimately will be the, the best movement for you. Probably. I love that. Wise words. Okay. <laughs> you kind of bring common problems that you'll see in the clinic and then a solution that I feel like a lot of people can relate to. For me, it's just very informative and I love learning. Well, I guess I'll ask, what are the most common problems when you're working? I guess you said you worked with professional athletes though before, and now again, you're with professional athletes. So it's not as much the day-to-day -day newcomers. In the clinic, I definitely treat your everyday um, everyday people. You oh, know? Okay. People, that, people yeah. that work at a desk and then have some sort of, recreational hobby and and kind of blending the two the biggest thing that i see in the clinic is chronic stiffness in the in the muscles of the neck and chronic pain and discomfort in the lower back okay and both of those kind of tie into seated and seated and working at a desk and yeah. then once you meld what you're doing every day, sitting at a desk with whatever your hobby is, whether it's going to the gym or swimming or playing tennis, those, those two things put together can, can lead to some sort of discomfort diagnosis because they don't take the time to do the mobility throughout the day. They don't take the time to warm up before that activity. So it all ties back to what we started with. You have your body locked into a certain position. If you then go try to get immediately into another position, your body's not prepared and you leave yourself open for that, that diagnosis. And for me, it's mostly in the muscles of the upper neck and in the, in the lower back. For me, when I went, my issue was like an upper back and they, I was put through a bunch of different spine mobilization exercises, which I really loved. What would be some, if we do have people who are working at a desk, what are a couple, maybe two exercises you would suggest to them to try out? So working from the the top to the bottom, I'll try my best to to talk through these exercises here. Yeah, because it's more but visual. <laughs> it, is, it is certainly more visual. Make sure you follow at Dr. Dan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but 
Starting at the head, my favorite is a cervical retraction because the main thing that happens as you're working at a desk is your head starts to drip forward, your chin comes forward, your head moves in the direction of the monitor. So with a cervical retraction, the goal is to then sit up straight and think about bringing your chin directly backwards like you're trying to give yourself the grossest double chin that you've ever seen. Once you have that gross, terrible double chin, uh, you should feel a small stretch in the back of your neck. Once you feel that, hold about a second or two, repeat five to 10 times. For the upper back, one of my favorites is just taking your hands and interlocking them behind your head. And then what you do is you try to take your elbows and spread them as far apart as possible, while also imagining there's a pencil in between your two shoulder blades, and you're trying to take your shoulder blades and grab onto that pencil. That's a great mobilization for the upper back, because again, throughout the day, your shoulders want to roll forward. Everything wants to come oh, forward and round. Yeah. Uh, the last is for the lower back. Again, as you continue to sit throughout the day, what starts to happen is the, the lower back starts to sag, it starts to flex, it starts to round. And so even just sitting up tall, put your hands on your hips and think about just leaning as far back through your lower back as possible. Hold about two or three seconds, repeat five or 10 times. Um, and then lastly, just making sure you're doing something for the knees. If you're locked in at 90 degrees because you're seated at a chair, get those knees as, as straight as you can and then bend those knees as much as you can. And all those exercises just tie into reversing movements that you spend your entire day in. I think that's really helpful. Thank you very much. And everybody, you have your homework to do. As he's telling them, <laughs> you try them out. And I think that's why I love your TikTok so much is because you have all of those just explained. Hey, if you're suffering with this, try these exercises or try these. Of course, we want to go in and see a physical therapist, but it's great to even just have any kind of base knowledge when it comes to that. And you're also very good at visualization. So anytime you always show like the bones and the joints and how they move and how they connect again, I love anatomy. So I think that that's really helpful, especially when it's something we don't think about again, what's actually going on inside of us physically. So I think, I think that's awesome. You guys definitely check out his TikToks. Are there any false TikTok trends that you want to bust that are just aggravating you to no end because every once in a while it's cool because a trend will come up and sometimes they'll be like yeah this is actually why that's happening or oh this is actually true so are there any right now that you're like it's time to crack it the so i will say for the most part yeah there are far fewer misinformation tiktoks out there especially in the health and fitness space than you might think a lot of times the arguments that are happening between two creators or the disagreements that pop up are because the two creators both made a video talking about different populations. Yes. And when they begin fighting with each other, they never address the fact that they are talking about completely different populations. And then it just explodes into all this drama, which of course is good for views. <laughs> but I think, I think the main misleading thing is that the general public may not pick up on that. And so, especially in the health and fitness space, uh, you have bodybuilding, TikTok bodybuilding, Instagram is a, mm -hmm. a big sector of it. And then you have the athletic functional training side of, of TikTok. And those two sides argue with each other all the time. And they're both saying completely right things. It's just that they both work with different populations. The bodybuilders are trying to do anything they can to build the muscle. And the athletes are trying to do everything they can to become more explosive or become faster. 
And those are two completely different sports. Yep. Two very and different so training I, styles. Two completely different things, but they fight all the time. <laughs> almost like they're pretending they don't know that they're talking about different people. Yeah. So the biggest thing you can do as an average watcher of this content is say, okay, who does this person work with? Who is this person trying to help? And that's the kind of information that they're, that they're sharing. And if you can just look at it with, with that set of eyes, you will see far fewer or far less wrong information than, than you would otherwise. The biggest thing that upsets me that I see on a regular basis are the posture straps. I don't know if you've Ooh. seen those, but like, it almost looks like a backpack that doesn't have a backpack, but you put it around your shoulders and it pulls your shoulders back. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's how you can achieve good posture. I see ads for that all the time. And that is the one thing that will routinely make me upset because if you rely on something passive to get you into good posture by putting straps around your shoulders and holding you up there, now all of a sudden you take the responsibility away from the muscles being able to get you there. And if you have those posture straps on you all the time, and that's what you're relying on to get you in good posture, those postural muscles, those scapular muscles, those shoulder muscles that are designed to keep you there are getting incredibly weak. And the second you stop using those straps on a regular basis, your posture is going to fall apart. You're going to feel so weak because you were training those muscles not to have to work. And so it makes me really upset when I see something like that being advertised as this is great posture, this is good for you, when in fact it's it's quite the opposite if you begin to rely on it on a regular basis. I love that. Do the work yourself. It's tough. But again, it's if tough. you're just doing a couple minutes a day, if you're just thinking about it like, oh man, I've been sitting here, your body usually gets a little bit restless. Do a couple of those exercises, do a couple of those reps and you'll feel so much better overall. I agree wholeheartedly. I like that. Because people and the are nice always... part. Yeah, no, go. Oh, go ahead. No, go. You're too. Okay. 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 I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, the nice part about it too, is that there is really no evidence out there that has been able to solidify that poor posture leads to pain or dysfunction um, at all. So I have people spend a lot less energy focusing on their posture and focusing on moving more throughout the day. Yeah. Because there are a lot of strong ties to weakness. There are strong ties to being sedentary. There are strong ties to a whole host of things, but there's no real tie to posture. So you can, you can spend as little time worrying about posture as you want, as long as every half hour, every hour, you're doing those small mobilizations or you're just getting up and walking around because breaking up, breaking up whatever posture you find yourself in is far more important than being in one particular posture for a prolonged period of time. Yeah, that, that makes sense. I like that. That's a good thought. And I feel like that can be really easy too. And it helps just stay active, get up. We need, we need breaks too. We need breaks. We all need breaks. <laughs> we, we need breaks. Physical and mental. Physic yes. I'm, I'm here for that. I'm here for that. Is there anything else as an expert that you would like to share or anything that we didn't touch on that you're like, Ooh, you know what? I really want to share blank. I don't know. I think you did a good job of getting all my important points out of me. I'm not sure that there's anything left out there hanging on the table. I feel well, pretty good. good. I feel pretty good about what was shared. Yeah. Oh, well, that's good. Yeah. I think my main takeaway is I really wanted to have a physical therapist on the podcast. I genuinely thought you would be the perfect one because 
I love all of your content and I love that you're just giving such valuable information out there for everyone, whether again, they're a gym goer or not that we can rely on and just look to, to be able to help. And again, anybody who's trying to share any information about bettering yourself, bettering your health, I'm big on preventative healthcare because the best thing you can do is just start now and keep those habits, make it part of your life, make it part of your routine. So I'm excited to, to take what I've learned from today's episode and incorporate that. And you guys go see a physical therapist. If you, if you need it, when would you suggest somebody go see a physical therapist? As soon as possible. Yeah. So we are as a people, very stubborn. And mm-hmm. especially when it comes to muscular pain or, or joint pain, we're very much in the mindset of, oh, it'll get better. It'll get better. It'll get better. It'll get better. And then after three to four months, it's not better. And then by the time I see you, what ends up happening is what started <laughs> as knee pain is now also shin pain and hip pain. And you started to feel something in your lower back because you've been compensating for that knee pain for so long. And then we end up in PT for weeks trying to even it all out. We get you better, sure. But if you had come in, in that first week or two that you were experiencing knee pain, we could have been in and out in two to four visits back on track. So if you think you need a physical therapist, the second you have that thought, get in and see one, you'll save yourself time, you'll save yourself visits, and you'll save yourself pain and and all kinds of stuff that you can avoid. Just get in sooner rather than later. Yeah. If my brother's listening to this, you heard him go. Because <laughs> a lot of times, again, it's one of those things where you don't know where to go. If you're feeling some shoulder pain or back pain, who who do I see? A physical therapist is who you see. If you tweak something, if you're, if you're having some issues, I always, I'm like, okay, let me give it three days. Maybe it'll wear itself out. And if it doesn't, I'm like, dang it, I got to go in and go see a physical therapist. And it's always, always helped me. I'm very passionate about that because anytime, even something seems slightly off, I'm like, I want to fix it before it gets worse, before it progresses. So yeah, thank you so much for coming on. Go ahead and tell everybody where they can find you on socials. So on TikTok and Instagram, just dr.dan underscore dpt. Uh, that's pretty much the only places that that I'm currently posting, trying to grow as we find time throughout the day. But uh, currently TikTok and Instagram, Dr. Dan underscore dpt. Yes. Thank you so much for coming on. It's been awesome. I appreciate your expertise and everything you shared. So. Yeah, thanks for having me. This was uh, this was awesome. Awesome. All right, you guys. Well, we'll talk to you all next week for some more fun and games. Bye. You're listening to the Fun and Games podcast with your host, Brittany Lupton. Thanks for listening to another episode. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. And we'll see you all next time for some more fun and games. Bye. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.